The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. Uh, so glad that everybody's joined us. Uh, and just straight off the bat, I uh, wanted to apologize for the replay last week. But uh, last week uh, was the 21st anniversary of the wedding of uh, me and my wife, uh, and as the joke goes, if I wanted to see 22 years, uh, I needed to take a Friday off. So in my own work-life balance, wanted to make sure that uh, I spent time with my lovely wife and we had a fantastic time uh, last Friday. So we did do a replay last week, but we're back live now and uh, getting back to the work-life balance here on another Friday afternoon on the Voice America Network. Um, what a crazy week, though. So, you know, obviously the week prior uh, was our anniversary last week or this week here uh, was in South Carolina as we worked with the client, took them live uh, on a CAPPM platform. Uh, so that was exciting. And now we're just kind of coming down from that event. Uh, so we uh, got back in late Wednesday night, uh, was able to spend yesterday at home and today just kind of ramping things back up. Uh, upcoming events for us, uh, we're going to be in uh, Chicago uh, on the 15th. We're going to a- uh, be able to see one of our great friends, uh, Wayne Brady, uh, do Hamilton, do his thing, Aaron Burr. Uh, we cannot wait for that. Cannot wait for that opportunity to see him do his thing. Uh, we've seen him do Kinky Boots. I've seen him in Rent. I've seen him just grow up and, and become a phenomenal uh, actor, as he always was. But, I mean, every time he tackles one of these roles, uh, he just gets better and better. And, and Aaron Burr is is going to be the role of a lifetime for him. we so excited to see that. On the 16th, uh, we'll be in Des Moines, Iowa, speaking for the PMI chapter out there. Um, the following uh, week will be at the John Maxwell event with a, a lot of our uh, certified Maxwell speakers. Uh, we'll be there the 20th through the 23rd in Orlando, Florida, uh, and then be back in South Carolina the 29th and 30th. Uh, we've got events here April 3rd through the 7th in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we'll be doing an event for CA uh, virtually on the 12th of April. And all of those events you can find right there on our website, uh, rickamorris.com. Go to upcoming events, um, and you can find them there. We've got the spring uh, ITA conference coming up the 24th in Tampa, Florida. And then, of course, the big event, the 26th and 27th, uh, is the taping of the show of Moving America Forward uh, with William Shatner and Doug Llewellyn. So a lot of stuff coming up for us. Pretty excited about it, and uh, we'll keep you posted right here uh, on the Work-Life Balance. So. This week, uh, what we thought we'd talk about is we've got a lot of comments around the book. A lot of the stuff was happening uh, around the book. And um, and so people have been asking me about our road to entrepreneurship and really tips around entrepreneurship. And, and I do a big speech for young entrepreneurs, uh, especially around young millennial entrepreneurs. And um, th- they ask us for tips. And, and, and 
what's so funny is is you know when we work with John Maxwell in, in some of his uh, teachings, and as I teach people around you know what it took to build R squared Consulting, uh, which just started its ninth year, uh, and we were blessed to do that. Uh, a lot of people ask us for for our tips, and so I thought I'd do a show about that because you know to, for every successful company that you have. What people don't recognize and what people don't know is, you know, there's there's the ten failed companies behind the scenes of all the different lessons that you learned, and uh, the the one thing that that I always say uh, to people that come up and say, "Man, I want to do what what you do," you know, I, I want to speak or I want to have books or I want to have my own consulting firm or what did it take for you for you to get out there and do that? And uh, I love the quote that John Maxwell says is, "Well, for for you to do what we do." You have to be willing to have done what we've done. And so I thought I would talk about that path a little bit. And, and, and so when we sat down to start really charting some of these steps, and as it, I even talked to my kids about what it took to get to where we are and, and, and you know where I even started, and I go all the way back uh, to really when I was six and seven years old. It started with this stupid magazine that came in. Um, there used to be this magazine, and I think it's it's straight up now just child labor. Look, I don't think they can even get away with it anymore. But there used to be this magazine that came in the mail, and it had all of these items that you could sell. In 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 the back of it, it had if you sold so many items, you could get something for that, and so you would sell. You know, 400 items, and you you could get a, a microscope, or you, you know, you could get a telescope, or or something of that sort. And I would pick the thing that I wanted. And in the microscope was one of the first things that I wanted. Um, and it said, well, you would have to sell 400 items. And the items were greeting cards and wrapping paper. And so I would set out and go do that door to door sales at six and seven years old, which. You know the 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 people that lived in my neighborhood just simply couldn't resist a seven year old knocking on their door and selling them wrapping paper in June, uh, but um, you know they bought it and I would push and push and push until I got the four hundred items that I wanted and then I sent off the money and got my microscope. Um, but what I didn't recognize was was the the, the goal setting at that time and, and the things that I was going after at that time, um, and and really. You know, ingraining the work ethic, and I think that that is the number one thing uh, an entrepreneur absolutely must have. And and so the joke around R squared in in what we always say with everybody that that works for me is is I am no way, shape, or form at, at any point the smartest person in the room. But there will be very, very few people who outwork me. I'm up very early in the morning. I go to bed uh, very late at night, and I am working consistently and constantly, and always looking at, you know, what what have I left undone? And, and that's one of the scariest things about entrepreneurship is that you know the buck absolutely 100% stops with me. Um, that you know I don't get really days off. I don't really have the opportunity to let things slide. I don't really have that opportunity to slack at my position. Of course I do. I can. But then, you know, what happens to the company or what happens to the positions if I do? Um, and the recognition that, you know, the employees 
um, I have that responsibility to them that if I'm not doing everything I can at every possible moment that I can, it's, you know, their families and everything else are relying on the revenue and the reputation and everything else that the company is trying to bring in. And so I love going all the way back to that story of, of you know, being a kid and, and selling greeting cards and wrapping paper because that was the earliest seeds of, of recognizing that, that we could do something. Uh, when I, you know, left town after, after my dad died, and for those of you that have listened to the show often, I'm not going to tell that story again, but you can certainly go back to past episodes and, and hear how much of an influence my father was to me. Um, I, I got into the restaurant industry, and, and the reason why I got into the restaurant industry was because, again, uh, of my dad. He, um, he was a very routine-based person, and we would go to a place, and, and for my Orlando friends that, that are watching on Facebook Live right now and, and listening on the show, there was a place called Casa Gallardo uh, on International Drive. And my dad, like clockwork, at 6.30 on Friday night, had reservations. And we'd go there, and um, there was a waiter there by the name of Kader. And we'd walk in at the same time every Friday night, and uh, Kader would have my father's drinks and his order waiting for him when we got there. And my dad was always so impressed by that. And because my dad was impressed by that, I certainly was impressed by that. And I would watch uh, Kader work in in. The one thing that my dad was always impressed with was that Kader never wrote down the order. He, he memorized the order. And that was a customer service thing. And uh, so I then decided I wanted to become a server. That, that was one of the first jobs I wanted to get. And so there was a little place called The Eatery at a Kmart um, there where we grew up. And I got my first job there washing dishes and eventually became a server really quickly. And that was the first thing I did. And, and look, I was horrible <laughs> when I first started waiting tables. But I said right then that uh, I wasn't going to write anything down. I was I was going to memorize all the orders. And what that made me do was focus on on listening to people and listening to what they had to order and what they wanted to do. And then you know I'd run in the back and write it down. Then so obviously we could turn the order in. Um, but cutting my teeth that way and eventually you know working at Bennigan's and Chili's and some of these other places, that became kind of a shtick that people remembered. That, that's what made us different. And eventually, as I became an on-the-road trainer, um, I used to train people and in, in had this insight that said, you know, when, when you're tipping servers, you're tipping waiters, you know, 15% seems to be a standard. But I always told them, what are you doing differently or or how are you standing out in the crowd? Because people go to you know restaurants all the time and they have so many different servers. How are you being different or how are you uh, being somebody that they're going to remember? And that was something that I felt was was a big standout for us was was just you know not writing anything down and being you know extra in the personality that brought people back. And I actually had a story around that, that that we would do from training perspective that, uh, you know, I waited tables at Bennigan's in Orlando for so long and I was doing on the road training for Chili's a couple of years later um, in Greenville, South Carolina. And I had a family come up to me and say, you know, didn't you used to wait tables at, at Bennigan's in Orlando? And I answered yes. And they said, man, we used to wait for your section. You know, what are you doing in Greenville? And everybody I was training there thought uh, I had paid this family to do that. 
but it was a big moment for me uh, looking back because, you know, it was really touching that they had recalled, you know, my service, you know, from years earlier uh, at a completely different restaurant. And so that became a big stepping stone for me in building the entrepreneurship around customer service and really focusing on people and listening to what they had to say uh, and making sure that you had something or a skill set that stood out in the crowd, that you had a little bit extra in the sense of, you know, when there's a myriad of people and they're all kind of doing the same thing, what was it that was going to be different? And and when everybody's kind of doing the same thing and everybody's expecting, you know, a 15% tip, what was it going to be that made them want to give you 20, want to give you 25. That was kind of, you know, the earliest onset. Furthermore, the restaurant industry, just as a side note for me, became something I really started to seek out uh, when I was looking for employees because the amount of people and the different personalities and all the craziness that you have to deal with there um, really just taught me a lot about how to handle people uh, and how to work in a very high-stress uh, crazy environment, but really be able to deal with people. Uh, so that was kind of the earliest markings of kind of my road to entrepreneurship uh, was just developing some early work ethic and work habits, but really starting to build that affinity of of customer service. So we're going to stop right there. We're going to take our first break. We're going to play some commercials from our sponsor, CA, and we'll be right back here on the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand. They are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? 
In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back on another edition here of the Work-Life Balance on Voice America. Another shout-out really quickly to Winston Price, man. Winston... um, Winston Price is not only a fantastic executive producer, but he's just a great, great person to uh, work with. And uh, sent out a, a Facebook post to me earlier uh, in the week and, and didn't get a chance to respond to it. But he's just a great individual to work with and somebody I've been blessed to uh, to get to know personally. Uh, and if, he, if he's somebody that you guys get a chance to ever talk to, work with, or follow on Facebook – He's just an amazing person uh, to be around. So I just wanted to give a personal shout out to my EP, Winston Price. Uh, I thank you for everything that you've done for us, brother, for the show, and uh, hope that there's uh, many more shows and years to come for us, man. Uh, So coming back and talking about uh, the the road to entrepreneurship, uh, and really just kind of what sparked this this whole topic was, you know, we were asked uh, uh, by several different listeners and, and and people just, you know, what what was the path to, to start our squared? And, and people ask me, you know, all the time, you know, how did you get here? And, and a bigger question, too, is just, you know, what did it take to, to start the company? Um, and so we talked about a little earlier childhood stuff, and, and, and that was fine. But I think, you know, some of the tips as we start to get into, you know, maybe some, some bigger advice. Um, you know, the, Fergus, the, the biggest thing is, is that the people – get into traps all the time. And what I mean by traps is is that you get into your own head and, and start thinking about stuff all of the time that you can't do that or it's not possible. So I was blessed enough to to uh, start a company with, with a friend of mine uh, where you know I really didn't have the responsibility, the PL responsibility or the risk of um, you know, the, losing a lot of money in, in starting this company and, and was running the company. And that gave us a, an opportunity to see, you know, whether or not I could sustain a company. But but the the scary part is, is, you know, we watched that person um, spend himself into debt and, and bankrupt the company. So the company, although we were very successful in making money and doing a lot of stuff, I watched, you know, somebody ruin that um, just because, you know, he wanted to live a lifestyle that was was beyond uh, the means of what we were earning, and so um, that became scary uh, for me. And so when we decided to start R squared, uh, that is a scary proposition. And you know, I remember you know week one, 
even though we had just landed a client, a very big client for us, I remember week one looking at the bank account and man, there was like maybe $7,000. And so people think uh, that, you know, well, if I, you know, once I have 50 grand in the bank or once I have, um, you know, four clients or once I've established this business plan, whatever, those are all traps. Those are all traps in the sense that it's no different than the trap of goal setting. And what I mean by the trap of goal setting is, is people think, you know, once I get this house, once I get that promotion, once I get this car, once I do this, then I'll be happy. Then what happens when you get the house is you may be happy for a week and then it fades. And so you're seeking this unattainable thing to flip a switch to allow you to go. Uh, and so what I tell entrepreneurs is that there's got to be a sense of urgency behind this situation and a sense of belief. And there was there was two people that was going to start R-squared. There was me and another person. And the day that we went to start the company, the other person got cold feet and decided, look, you know, I really don't think we're going to be able to sustain this and, and I got a family. And I remember looking at him and he's still, you know, a great friend, great person. And I'm not speaking ill of him by any means because I totally understand the situation because in the back of my mind, I had the same fear because, dude, I got a family too. You know, I had two young children and a wife and a house and all the same bills. But what I needed was a sense of urgency. I needed a sense of urgency behind the situation that says, if I don't have that that little thing in the back of my head that says, if you don't go, then those bills aren't going to get paid, then I wasn't going to be successful, right? I need to have personally that risk of, if you're not going after it full bore, then there's nothing left, right? So for some people, they love that security blanket of that check coming in every two weeks. For me, and if I didn't do anything last week, then there's no invoice to send. There's no money coming in. I've got to constantly be hungry and constantly be going after it in order to have money coming in the door. It's just the way it works. Um, and so for an entrepreneur, it's a little bit of a different breed, but but I look there's not a you know huge sense of of uh, security that comes with it. But I'll tell you, there is a sense of urgency. I roll out of bed every day wondering, you know, where's that next client? What's that next idea? What's that next thing that's going to come that's going to keep this this ball rolling, or it's going to come crashing down? And and. Behind that, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I'm actually going to flip and, and, and tell the story of the backside of this is, is, you know, as I was doing R-squared about three, four years ago, um, there, you know, there was a, a, a project that, that didn't go so well and it, it shook my confidence. It shook my confidence big time in, you know, was this the right path? Was this the right company? Am I doing the right thing? And that happens all the time, right? We're all human in the sense of, you know, sometimes we question even the direction that we're going. And I mean, in every career you do that. And so I decided, well, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm going to change paths. So I took my eye off the ball and I decided I was going to go be something else. And as I did that, it was fun. It was a distraction. I did it. And, um, 
at the time, I was in probably one of the greatest financial situations I'd ever been in. And uh, so I go start this new company in, in this new path and uh, basically almost lost everything. Right? We'll, we'll make a really long and painful story short. Almost lost it all. So even as R squared was being so successful, I go start this other company and invested a tremendous amount of time and energy, took my eye off the ball of R squared uh, and almost lost everything. Um, as, as I realized uh, that I wasn't very good at this other job. And uh, it, it was a painful lesson and one that took almost a year and a half or two years to crawl out of. Um, but what I had lost was that sense of urgency for really who I was and what I was good at. And um, I was thankful for it because it helped me reset and take a step back of uh, really take stock of, dude, who are you? What are you good at? What should you be doing? And, and where is your wheelhouse uh, for this company and for this organization? And even better, you know, as it relates to No Day But Today and the books and, and, and speaking engagements, you know, I had No Day But Today as a thought pattern, you know, four or five years ago, but I don't think I had the, the want to really do No Day But Today because I had people tell me no around No Day But Today and, and, and some of the stuff I wanted to do. And I let that no pacify me and say, okay. So somebody said no. I said, okay, whatever. Maybe it's not okay. And then I went through this, this pain of, of not only losing the second company, but almost allowing that to lose everything. I mean, houses, cars, family, everything, dude. I mean, everything was on the table and had to really uh, pull myself up by the bootstraps. I mean, I had, you know, literally 15, 20 employees and, and I was down to two, um, you know, had all kinds of, of, you know, backup capital and stuff like that in the bank account and was down to, you know, maxing out credit cards, uh, almost lost the house. I mean, everything, dude, everything was on the line and it had to take stock and go, all right, let's fix this. Um, and it was crazy. It was crazy. But I think to be truly successful, you have to feel that pain. And I think if you if you talk to any uh, of the great ones, and I, I think if you talk, you know, to to Cuban or to Herjavec or to any of the, if you go to Shark Tank or if you talk to Marcus Lemonis or any of these people that I look up to and, and talk to, they they've been there, and it's it's creates that sense of urgency and that pain point that you know, really makes you understand the hunger that it takes to, one, never feel that way again, but two, um, understand, you know, what that pipeline is and, and to make sure that, you know, sure, I could knock off at three o'clock today and just go hang out, um, but that's why I didn't and stayed till six and, and, and did what I had to do. Um, it, it's a really, really powerful lesson. I think entrepreneurs... Uh, need to know. And when I am, am talking to a room full of entrepreneurs, I can see it in their face. And I can tell you right then um, that when they come and talk to me, I already know the ones that have it in them to be successful 
based on what they've already been through. And, and I'm not saying that you have to go through that to be successful. I just know that it creates the hunger point. Um, so when we're interviewing, we're talking to people, what I want to know is the why. What I got to get into with people is what what's in it in you that's driving you to do this. And in again, it's not it's not money, I'm telling you. It's not the monetary things. It's it the why comes from um, the providing uh, for the family. It's it's the providing for the opportunity. It's it's the providing for the other people um, that really comes down to. But when you're really getting into it, um, that success or failure of what you're out of bed in the morning is is to ensure that you just never have that feeling again. At least for me, that's where it came from. We're going to take another quick break. You're listening to The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. 
All right, we're back with the third segment of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. So we've been talking about just the path of entrepreneurship, um, kind of my path, uh, the ups and downs. And and really, uh, as we get into this third segment, what I really wanted to talk about here was the understanding around the value of a dollar. And, you know, I was I was blessed um, in my upbringing uh, around that. And then what was interesting is the discussion about the value of a dollar with my wife. And so now as we're, we're parenting, we started talking about, you know, how do we raise, you know, our children around that and kind of the blending between. But one of the biggest things that, that you know, I see is this whole entitlement conversation. And so I'll just weigh in on, on my thoughts around that. So, you know, again, being an entrepreneur, I have to put a tremendous amount of time uh, into things and opportunities that sometimes are billable and sometimes aren't. And you've got, you know, so if you think about all the things in running a company that are just expected if you go to work, if you go to work for a company, um, then, you know, you're like, hey, where's my laptop? Where's my email address? You know, we've got website addresses, you know, you've got phones, you've got all that stuff. Well, as an entrepreneur, you got to get all that stuff set up yourself. So even today, you know, in between client calls, in between doing all that kind of stuff, I'm training uh, a new salesperson for, for my organization. Uh, I decided there was something new on my my website that I wanted to put out on rickamorris.com. So, uh, you know, I did that in between meetings. Uh, there's, you know, sales calls and prospecting that's going on and, and you've really got to have to, to have the work ethic to, to be that one person shop, um, as we're building out, um, sales strategies for no day, but today, um, that was done today. And, uh, then there's follow-ups and relationship calls and everything else that, that goes down, you know, all of that was done today. And so, you know, we'll wrap up with the radio show. Uh, when I'm done with this, there's there's four return phone calls that I that I've got to do. There's a dear client um, that I promised something to that I've got to get out, and so that's probably going to be done over the weekend. Lots of stuff that that just piles up that that you've got to keep going and doing, and all of that um, at this point, you know, leads to revenue, but it doesn't always mean immediate revenue, and so you've got to understand that work ethic and that drive and that push. Um, comes from understanding the you know the value uh, of a dollar, and so I always see the money coming in, and and you know my family always says you know you barely ever buy anything for yourself or do anything for yourself, and that's because and I, I know what it takes to earn that, um, so I'm not always as freely giving it back out, and I, that comes all the way back to you know the way my parents raised me, and so. Here we are talking, you know, at this point, my daughter's 16 and, and it, it's time for her to get a car. And so the way my parents got me a car um, is they bought this horrible little embarrassing thing. And for my friends on Facebook that saw what I drove to school, um, I got this little Plymouth Horizon hatchback at 16. And, and my parents, what they did is they put the down payment and paid the first six months insurance. And then they charged me $50 a week. Uh, to drive it. So I had to get a job immediately, which I already had a job at 15, which was fine. But I had to pay my parents $50 a week for the privilege to drive that car. 
uh, which is a car I didn't even want. But I was happy to have wheels at, at 16. Um, and then if I missed a payment, I couldn't drive the car. Uh, if you go to the way it, it worked for my wife, um, she got her dream car at 16. And she didn't have to work and didn't have a job. Now, she, her parents, though, didn't want her to have to worry about you know, a job, just worry about uh, the school. And, and so when we started comparing our, our memories of high school, you know, I missed a lot of stuff. I could only play one sport in school, even though you know, I was a multi-sport athlete. Um, I, I didn't go to uh, – you know, I could go to homecoming or prom, but I couldn't do both uh, because of my job. I had to, um, you know, I just missed a lot of stuff, a lot of extracurricular things that I wanted to do in high school. I couldn't do because I had to work. And, uh, you know, my wife had a great high school stuff. But then we started talking about discipline. Well, when my parents tried to discipline me by taking away the car, I was like, you can't do that. That's my car. I pay for it. Um, and so it didn't go over really well. Um, her parents, you know, would threaten to take the car away and she'd be devastated. Um, so we, you know, we weigh the pros and cons out of that. But what I always appreciated about the way my parents raised me with the car was, and I earned it. You know, I earned that car. That was something that that um, even though you know I may have chosen something else to purchase, I earned it. And and I knew, you know, that that I didn't go driving all around town because of what the cost of gas was and that was my money of gas going in and when I bought something I earned it and um you know I appreciated the value of a dollar and even into the spending habits that I have today is different from the spending habits that that, that my wife has today and and we we've learned to to blend those together in a beautiful way um, as, as, you know, being married 21 years will do. Um, but it was just interesting at how we approached money when we first met. Um, so the compromise is, you know, for my daughter is that she has things around the house that are expected of her as her job without having to go get one. And that, and that's the expectation uh, of her to, to be able for her to get her car. And then if she doesn't do those, then the, the car gets taken away. Um, which I think is a great compromise in, in trying to blend the, the values of how you know she was raised and I was raised in, in trying to, to pass those values along um, you know to my daughter. When it comes then to entrepreneurship, you know again, it was that hunger, it was that understanding, you know, but th- there's a certain drive, I think that's important, you know that for, for me, I went to school, uh, then I had soccer practice, and then you know I had this job at this little Kmart eatery that they let me wash dishes and, and manage you know my schoolwork, and so I would come after soccer practice at six fifteen, and there would be you know four or five things worth of dishes piled up and caked on, and then I'd sit there and wash dishes till nine o'clock nine thirty at night, then go do my schoolwork, and then get up and do it all again. That started this work ethic that allows me to continue today with, with a tremendous work ethic that sometimes I see lacking. You know, my, my daughter's job here at the house is to do dishes and they'll sit there for three days and it drives me nuts. <laughs> it drives me nuts because I'm like, that's not, it, it, it doesn't, excuse me, it doesn't take long. Just do it. You see them in the sink, 
pick them up and do it. And maybe it's a teenager thing, but as a teenager for me, I'd wash other people's dishes and come home and still have to do the dishes at my house. And if I didn't do them, that was that. And so I, I it's this work ethic thing. And, and what I'm looking at is, you know, trying to build that successful gene of what I know it's going to take to be successful outside of the house. And when I'm looking at these young entrepreneurs and I'm trying to mentor them, it's it's not doing exactly what's expected. It's that five, six, seven, eight step down the road of what's going to be expected of you. And it, it's not, you know, the gold plating of the situation or doing all of the, you know, trying to find every possible thing you can do. It's that work ethic and drive of, you know, not having to be told what the next step is, is to find that next step and go. And if people want to be successful, if you want to own your own business, look, man, when I wake up every day, there's not a task list laid out for me. I've got to understand what those next steps are uh, to keep the revenue flowing, to keep this business running. And I think that's so important for young people to understand that, you know, for you're not going to be uh, the next Amazon or Uber or HP or that kind of stuff. Uh, if you don't have that work ethic and drive that says, you know, I have to be told all the next steps, the way you develop those those winning attitudes now is by having a work ethic that that is consistent and followable and you just get after it. And it's a hunger of never wanting uh, to, to, to feel like you haven't done your absolute best. And, and the biggest piece around that and the biggest piece of advice I can I can give is in trying to find ways to maximize the portion of not trading your time for money. And, and I'll say it again. The biggest ways to do it is trying to find opportunities to simply not trade your time for money. And so I'll give you a quick example. I can – bill, you know, at my billable rate of, of 250 an hour, and then there's eight hours in a day, that is a fixed income, which is no different than you going to a job and collecting a salary. Or you can find a way to develop thought leadership, and thought leadership then turns into a seminar where you can get 200 people in for an eight-hour day, and those 200 people are are paying $250 per person for that eight-hour day. So now it's 200 right, times 250 bucks. And now you're not trading just time for money. You're developing something that people become hungry for, which also turns into merchandising and books and everything else that comes with it. But in order to get there, you can't just write the book and go. That takes years and years and years of understanding and thought leadership and developing talents and that kind of stuff. And that starts now, right? That can't, that, that doesn't, uh, you know, you can't just roll over and become that expert. It's, it's how far can you take that thought leadership and what can you do with it? And, and that's what I'm trying to tell these young entrepreneurs now is what's going to make you different and what's that work ethic and drive that you have that's going to set you apart. So it started for me in the door-to-door sales as a young kid. It started for me in in the restaurant industry and trying to be different as that server. And that's where the spark came. And then you match that with the work ethic of, of wanting to learn something new every day. 
and study every day to master a field and then really set yourself apart. That's what it starts to take to become successful as an entrepreneur. And we'll give my final tips right after this last break. You're listening to the Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon. We've really been talking, uh, you know, look, I've been all over the place. But for you that have been listening to this show long enough, you know that already. Uh, But we've been talking about the path of entrepreneurship, uh, talking about how we kind of got here at R-Squared. And and so finally, uh, you know, just wanted to go down this final tip. Um, And it's – we'll just steal the quote from Nike, man. If, if you're looking to do it, just do it. Um, get out of the trap. Get out of the thinking of, you know, I've got to have X, Y, and Z uh, to to start a company or all this stuff. Um, the, the biggest thing that, that we want to share with you is if you have passion, um, then go. Um, but for me, I recognize that, 
I, I just couldn't work for anybody else. For those of you that that follow me or have the book Project Management that works, um, we teach disk profiles, and disk profiles is a huge thing that that I've, I've loved to study over time. And for me, as a high I personality or high influencer, I've always had to deeply trust the person that I follow. And in business, it becomes very difficult. Uh, most of the people that uh, I've become friends w- with as my bosses, um, they, they've stayed friends. So, you know, the Don Delashaws that I've had on the show, um, you know, th- these people are, are still very f- uh, good friends to me. Uh, Carrie Blaze is, is one of been, you know, was probably the greatest HR manager I've ever had in my entire life. And he's, you know, my business partner now at R Square Consulting. Um, but for me to have followed them, I had to trust them implicitly. Um, so some of the companies that I left, um, where the guy bankrupted uh, Highmark Technology or, you know, when I left Xerox, it's because I lost trust in some of the leadership and some of the people there. And um, so I realized if I was truly going to be successful and I was going to stop trading uh, time for money and I was really going to go after the goals, I just had to go. Um, and I had to do. And so I remember um, when we were going to start our squared, I, I looked at my wife and said, look, I don't know where this thing's going to go, but we're going to go. And um, if it fails, it fails. And when I when I do entrepreneurship conferences, I talk about all of the failed companies. Man, I do. I had, you know, we had a wholesale jewelry business. Uh, I had an Internet marketing company. Uh, I've done door to door sales. Uh, I tried to do restaurant consulting. Uh, I've uh, been a failed music producer. I've done uh, entertainment consulting and uh, a myriad of other things uh, and have started several companies that have failed. And the the number one reason why all the other companies failed is because I didn't have a passion uh, to do that business. Um, the difference with R squared is that I really feel like what we're doing for these companies is making them better. And, and the whole point of work-life balance and why I do the radio show of work-life balance is my number one goal at a company is to improve their project management maturity to help them better their their project selection so that I can improve the lives of, of the people that, that are working there. And there's a passion involved in that. For me, because I feel like if if the companies really buy into what we're doing for that organization, then they're going to pick better projects. They're going to make more money. They're going to improve their operations, and their people are going to have a better work life balance. If that is is what we truly achieve with them, and for many of the companies that we worked with, they have achieved that, then everybody's better off for have knowing us and, and worked with us. That is a passionate purpose for us to continue. And that passionate purpose is why I continue the company. And so that's that that is so for for me, that's everything. And when when I do the seminars and I work with project managers and, and luckily enough and been blessed enough to, you know, be able to return to cities that I've spoken at two or three or four times now and people come up to me and say, you know, when you said this or when you've done that or, you know, you 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 taught this technique and I've used that and it's changed my career, that is one of the most humbling things that can ever happen. And 
that gives the the purpose to, to, to continue and, and the passion to go after it. And so I tell entrepreneurs that if you don't have passion behind what you're going after, then then don't do it. But if you do have that passion, um, then go for it. And so that's where No Day But Today came from for me is, you know, I wanted to take the skill sets that we've been teaching these companies now and help improve people's lives. And, and that's really what, what this next phase of our career is, is going um, and, and the next steps of our journey that we'll be sharing um, you know, over the next you know year or two, and we're so excited about the journey. Uh, as we continue to grow this and, and do this, we'll be sharing with you guys, the audience, you on Facebook Live, and and everybody a, as we go. So, um, you know, my biggest tips is is to to have passion. Um, you know, have the fear. The fear is great because if I didn't fear uh, failure, then I can't roll out of bed and get get after it. Um, that failure is is that lack of security blanket um, that if I don't get up and do what I got to do every day, then I'm not going to feed my family. So I, I love the fear of of not knowing what's coming next. You know, companies have five-year plans, so do I. But, man, I can't forecast the next 12 weeks of, of what revenue is coming. So that part – that part's the scary part, and uh, it, it's what keeps me going on a daily basis. But you, you've got to, you've got to love that, or, or it's absolutely going to to break you down. So, look, some some quick tips, man. You know, tackle the hard tasks, the tasks. Um, have deep passion for what you're doing, um, and you know, the people that say. You know, don't worry about fear. No, man, let the fear motivate you. Let the fear grab a hold of you and be your driver because that fact of, you know, you don't know where the money's coming from, that that's even better for me because that's what makes me search for where it's coming. So those are my tips. Um, love you guys for it. Again, upcoming events. Uh, week after next, we're going to be in Chicago. Uh, we'll be at, uh, at, again, at Hamilton uh, on the 15th, can't wait to go see uh, Wayne Brady do his thing as, as Aaron Burr. Uh, then we'll be at the uh, PMI event in Central Iowa. Come out. Uh, public can come to that, uh, but you can register at the uh, Central Iowa chapter of PMI. Uh, we'll be doing uh, a speech for them at, at a lunch meeting on Thursday the 16th in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, then be heading out, uh, I think, Saturday. So Saturday uh, the 18th of March, we'll be heading to Orlando, but I'll be in Orlando through the 23rd with the John Maxwell team. Uh, and then we've got uh, some events in South Carolina coming up towards the end of March, and then just a ton of stuff in April that I'll keep you guys going with. So as always, thank you so much for listening to us. The audience continues to grow, and we love you for it. Hit me up on Twitter at, at Rick A. Morris. You can find me at Facebook at Rick A. Morris, and also always go to www.rickamorris.com. That's where you can find the upcoming events, all the past shows here on voiceamerica.com. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon right here at the Work-Life Balance every Friday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you soon uh, next Friday, and we're out. Thanks. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.